Hey there, you're listening to the Royal Awakening Podcast. I'm Shane Stilwell, and this is the Royal Awakening Podcast, where we are all about waking up the royal family to who they really are, unifying them as one, and partnering together with the original royal family to see breakthrough, transformation, and restoration in hearts, minds, and lives all over. No more living like an orphaned pauper. You are meant to live, move, and be a royal. So let's get into it. First, for those who are following me in the summer, I know it's been a minute. I promise I wasn't meaning to ghost anyone. I just didn't realize until I had only been a few weeks into the podcast that I needed to pull things back for a bit and bring some laser focus to what I was doing on my end. Second, you can obviously see that I've renamed the podcast to Royal Awakening, sort of a rebranding, if you will. And who knows, maybe we'll even put some merch up at some point. In any case, it will definitely all be with purpose because I want this podcast to be a reflection of what my overall life purpose is, awakening, unifying, and restoring. When you talk about being engaged in an awakening, well, as the name suggests, it means that there are some people out there who need to be woken up. There's different ways to wake a person up. There's the way my mom used to do it sometimes when trying to get me up for school She would take a wash rag, get it nice and damp with cold water, not totally soaked though, she wasn't that mean, and put it on my face. That's not exactly a subtle approach, of course, but I was definitely up for the day at that point. So much for whatever awesome dream I was having before the cold rag. But I'm going to try not to do that here. In fact, I don't think I can do that really. I've tried doing that off air and I realized it just doesn't work. You can't force people to change. All you can really do is say, come, look it, see what I found. And hopefully you'll come, look, and see what I found. (laughs) Well, I think that's part of what the bride meant in that Old Testament book called the Song of Solomon when she said, don't awaken or arouse love until the time is right or until it pleases. This is first and foremost, an awakening to a love that is beyond any other on earth. And you can't speed up the love process. You know what? Let's rethink that. Because to call it a process sounds like religion talking, doesn't it? Love is not a process. It's a relationship. And it's meant to happen according to a graceful, unforced rhythm. Otherwise, well, let's just leave it at that. It just doesn't work. I'll leave you to fill in the blanks at your end. This episode is definitely and unashamedly oriented around spiritual stuff because that's how I roll. If that's not your thing, that's okay. But if you're still here, awesome sauce. Now, if spiritual stuff is your thing, buckle up, friend. I may start hitting on some stuff that makes you want to hit the brakes or at least the pause button on your podcasting app. But let me encourage you to keep listening. Rest assured, I'm open to talking more over DM on Facebook or Instagram. And by the way, know that I look at you, the listener, as a fellow royal, fully empowered and capable of ruling your own roost, and that you are powerful to disagree with anything I may share in this episode. But let's talk through any concerns privately over DM, because I believe that's the best policy, and also because I don't do public debates on social. 
Oh, and you're welcome to send good vibes my way too. Up to and including a five-star review. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I appreciate you being a good neighbor like that, helping me to maintain a peaceful vibe here in the realm. One of my all-time heroes, the late, great Arthur Burt, would frequently begin his chats with, test what I say. Whether it's this or any information source, never take anything carte blanche. It is always in your court to agree or disagree with whatever you've heard or read. But I can say that because I did test what I heard, inviting Holy Spirit to help me understand what I had just heard or read, and then stuck with what rang true and felt peaceful in my heart, and dismissing what didn't, I can say that I now experience more and more freedom daily. Freedom from a mindset that left me stuck for years. A mindset that had me living like a poor old pauper, surviving, scraping by, doing it all on my own as if that's how I was meant to live, thinking that was all I could ever ask for. That is, the orphan mindset. We are not meant to live like orphans. We are meant to live, move, and be royals. Children of a loving father. I reckon that's probably enough introduction, so let's get this thing rolling. At the risk of being misunderstood and becoming someone else's lightning rod, I'm going to put this thought out here for consideration. The level of my desperation for God is linked to the level of my belief that I am separated from God. You might be asking, why in the world is he bringing this up? Well, because I believe in a loving, creative God who genuinely desires to have relationship with human beings, each of whom I believe he created and sees as his child. A father who longs for us to see the reality that by the finished work of his son Jesus, we are not separated from him, but rather we are one with him. There are multiple passages in the scriptures that point to this reality. Passages which have been echoed by multiple individuals in both ancient and modern church history. Now, am I saying that it's invalid to experience desperation? This is where I've often been misunderstood by others and accused of being out of touch with the human experience. No, that's not what I'm saying. I believe the experience of desperation opens our eyes to the reality that without love, as the Apostle Paul indicated in his letters, our life would be without purpose. At many times in my life, I myself have felt desperate, feeling like there was no way out. So when I say the level of my desperation for God is linked to the level of my belief that I am separated from God, what I'm saying is I do not believe that it's God's desire for us to walk around with a continual mindset that says being desperate for him is a good thing. Put another way, I don't believe this rolls up under thinking on things above. For years, certain pockets of the Western evangelical world have propagated a sort of mantra that to be in a place of desperation and brokenness is somehow ideal. The idea being that this somehow magnifies the effectiveness of the life of prayer for the believer. Those who believe this regularly practice what is known as asceticism. That is, they practice self-denial, self-mortification, and the like, because they think that by doing this, they can get God to pay attention to them and answer their prayers. There are many religions other than Christianity that have similar belief systems. But how can voluntarily living in desperation and brokenness be ideal when, according to the scriptures, we are seated in heavenly places with the King of Kings, the preeminent one? And not only that, but it says that as the King of Kings is, so are we in this world. There's so much in that one statement, but at the very least, it means that we are royalty, and he made us to live, move, and be royals. 
He didn't give all he gave just so that we could turn around and live an impoverished, disempowered lifestyle. Whatever happened to the joy of the Lord is our strength, or the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. He became poor so that we could be rich. He was broken for us so that we could live in abundance and wholeness. Just crack open the Bible. Look at John chapter 10, verse 10, or Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, to see what I'm talking about. I was recently in a conversation with someone who disagreed with me on this, saying that desperation is just about a strongly felt need or desire for something. To support their point, they used the example of a father and his son who have a close relationship, but who are separated for a period of time for whatever reason, longing to be with one another. The same picture could work for a father and his daughter, a mother and her son, etc. We can all relate to this desire to be close to family. It's a natural desire for all of us to have. For example, after a son or daughter has left the nest. My wife and I definitely get this. We began experiencing it big time in our own lives shortly after we moved to Nashville because our younger son decided to stay in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we had all lived for 17 years. But I'm going to call something out here by asking a couple of questions that I want you to think about. First, in the example my friend used, where are the parent and child relative to each other? That's right. They are geographically separated. Now, for the one who loves, follows, and believes in Jesus, here's my next question. Is that how it really works with our Heavenly Father and us? I mean, sure, we can't see Him, but does that mean He's not there? Well, let's take a look at a few verses in the Bible to help us out with this. Paul said, The Father was pleased to reveal His Son in me. Galatians chapter 1, verse 16 in the Berean Standard Bible. Some translations say to me, but if you look at a Greek lexicon, the preposition is in fact in. The Apostle Paul spoke of the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory, and he spoke of it as the mystery hidden for ages and generations, as per Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. According to the New Testament, God revealed this mystery to Paul on the road to Damascus, back when he went by the name Saul and while he was on his way to beat up on some Jesus freaks as an enemy of the gospel. You can read that in Acts chapter 9. Paul also wrote that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's in Romans chapter 8 verse 39. It also says in 1 John chapter 4 verse 16 that God is love. When I connect the dots here between these two verses, that's effectively saying to me that nothing can separate me from God himself. Also, John 14, verse 20, recorded Jesus saying this, On that day, that is the day Jesus ascended into heaven and gave the Holy Spirit to the human race, on that day you will know that I am in the Father, that you are in me, and that I am in you. There is also this one, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And here's one more important one, I will not leave you as orphans. Jesus said this when talking to them about how he was going to give them the Holy Spirit. So what does this mean where God the Father is concerned? Is he somewhere far, far away? Well, there are other verses and passages which I trust Holy Spirit will help you find if you ask him. That said, I believe that because of what Jesus has done, it is true that not only are we in Christ, but we are in God the Father as well, and that God the Father is in us. Put another way, our Heavenly Father is always with us at every moment of our existence because of the union we have with Him. Just as Jesus and the Father are one, we and the Father are also one. 
Therefore, we are not separated from our Heavenly Father. In fact, we can't get any closer to him than we already are, and it's all because of Jesus. To borrow a quote from the Two Pastors on a Mic podcast, which you can also find out here, you are loved and there's nothing you can do about it. I can hear the objection now, but I don't feel his presence. How can it be true if I'm not experiencing it? I know what you're getting at, and I totally understand. For years, as a worship leader in the modern worship movement, I thought I had to go somewhere people were saying they could feel his presence so that I could feel it too. I would go on road trips, visiting all the Holy Spirit hotspots, as I would call them, to be with other people who, like me, were looking for God's presence and hungry for his presence. It was as if I was a groupie and God was some rock star on tour who made repeat stops in certain towns like Kansas City or Washington, D.C., or even lesser-known places like Wilmore, Kentucky. I'll leave you to look that one up to see why I named that town specifically. But here's the thing. The reason I wasn't feeling his presence right where I was living wasn't because he wasn't there. It was because I was unaware that he was already present, ever-present, all the time, inside of me. I was unaware because I believed that despite having prayed all those prayers, praying with large groups of people all hungry for his presence, I was still somehow separated from him and that I had to be somewhere geographically where there was a portal, as they call it. As I began to trust in what he said right there in Matthew 28 verse 20, that he is with me always, he is with me always, I became more and more aware of his ever-present presence and that he is never absent. And then I began accurately identifying his voice more and more often to where I can now discern his voice on demand. How about that? Does that sound awesome? Today, I firmly and confidently believe that he who is other-centered, self-giving love is calling to us to awaken us to this reality of how it is with our Heavenly Father and us. And that to continue believing that we are somehow separated from him, despite overwhelming scriptural support to the contrary, yet acknowledging that he does let us choose to keep believing that, is to lead a life in darkness that our loving Father never wished for us, because he knows that we are merely deluding ourselves with that kind of thinking. It reflects that, for whatever reason, we aren't taking him at his word when he said, I am with you always. I believe that our experience of desperation is designed to bring us to the place where our eyes are opened and we see that the very one we have longed and desired for has been here with us, in us, all along. Let me also suggest this. To desire a continual state of desperation for God is to aim for a life lived in the middle of some kind of cruel joke. A cruel joke introduced by a religious system of our own making. A joke suggesting that it's a good thing to live with a carrot dangling in front of us as if we were some pack mule being strung along on a long, arduous journey, never being truly satisfied. God, our source, our beginning and end, love himself, does not deal in cruel jokes. If anyone tells you that he does, run away fast. And I don't deny that there are those who've come to believe that he does. But that's a whole separate discussion for another time, as I believe that results from some kind of hurt or trauma which requires healing. But I've also encountered his goodness so much to know that this is not who God is. God is love, and true love is not cruel. And neither does he desire this kind of existence for any of us. He longs for all his children, that is, all those he has made, to awaken to the reality of true love, to the reality of the mystery 
now revealed through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. The mystery is Jesus. Friend, I confidently believe that despite what your life experiences up to this point may have tried to tell you, you are not separated from this good God whose goodness is beyond anything we could ever imagine. Too marvelous for words. You are in God. You are literally inside love itself. And love is inside you. And I believe this is true of every person living on earth, whether they believe it or not. And on the day when you choose to believe it, to receive it, to accept what has always been true of you, it will become true to you. I and many other royals who have believed, received, and accepted the truth like I have, we are all praying for you, longing right along with God for the day when you too will see love gazing at you with a fiery affection that never goes out, when you will behold the beauty of the face of love and the amazing dance that love dances over you at every moment, and when you will hear the song being sung over you to you. I'm not going to lie, it might feel intense. It might even be overwhelming, but there's nothing better. We long for the day, the day of your royal awakening. I want to thank you once again for stopping by and listening to my podcast today. This podcast is on several platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and others. You can find the direct link to my podcast on your favorite streaming platform by going to my Buzzsprout webpage. The link to that page is included in the podcast description. Let me encourage you to please subscribe to the podcast for more great content as new episodes come out each week. Also, I'd greatly appreciate a five-star review from you. Also, thanks in advance to all of you out there interested in supporting my podcast through financial contributions. I've put a link to my digital tip jar in the show notes. Just click on that link to place your contribution in the jar. That's tinyurl.com slash shane411. If you've been impacted by the episode today and you're at a place in life where you're ready to move from surviving to thriving or to accelerate beyond where you currently are, let's get together. Let's meet on Zoom to talk about how you can live like the royal you truly are and how to identify and overcome self-limiting beliefs and performance blockers so that you can achieve your lifelong dreams and goals, all while enhancing your personal growth. Click on the Calendly link in the show notes to schedule a free 30-minute one-on-one consultation with me where we can talk more. That's calendly.com slash shanestillwell slash 1-1 consultation. Once again, my name is Shane Stillwell. Thanks again for stopping by and have an amazing rest of your day. We'll talk soon.